أعوذ بالله من الشيطان بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم طه ما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتشقى إلا تذكرة لمن يخشى تنزيلا ممن خلق الأرض والسماوات العلا الرحمن على العرش استوى له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وما بينهما وما تحت الثرى وإن تجهر بالقول فإنه يعلم السر وأخفى الله لا إله إلا هو له الأسماء الحسنى وهل أتاك حديث موسى إذ رأى نارا فقال لأهلهم كثوا إني آنست نارا لعلي آتيكم, لعلي آتيكم منها بقبس أو أجد على النار هدى فلما أتاها نودي يا موسى إني أنا ربك فاخلعنا عليك إنك بالواد المقدس طوى وأنا اخترتك فاستمع لما يوحى إنني أنا الله لا إله إلا أنا فاعبدني وأقم الصلاة لذكري صدق الله العظيم Uh, I know that uh, some people in the back are struggling to hear us, but inshallah from next week we should have our uh, mic system, inshallah. And uh, just a reminder, do tag us, Isra Foundation, or my Instagram, and we can just repost this. So those people who do miss out, maybe through your story or your uh, feed, they'll see something and they'll learn, they'll benefit as well, inshallah. If the sisters in the back can't hear me at any point, just raise your hand and I'll get the idea to speak louder. Same thing with the brothers on that side. Inshallah. Um, just a little layout of what's going to happen over the next few weeks is that today we're going to do the we're going to do the last part of the uh, of the third chapter, and then for the next two weeks we're going to take a pause on this book, and uh, because it's the month of Rajab, and what significant event happened in Rajab? Isra, and we are Isra Foundation. So uh, for the next two weeks. We're going to talk about Isra and Mi'raj. So next week is going to talk about the events that led to the Prophet's Isra. The journey of his Mi'raj. And then the week after will be the Mi'raj journey. Now, just a little idea before we get into it. The reason is why it's so special is that whenever Allah gave every Prophet a Mi'raj. And that's called an ascension. Right? So if you are, many of you are in stocks. So what happens before the stock goes really high? Where is the stock? It's very low. So the same thing happened to the Prophet ﷺ. That before Allah gave him the best moments, he had, a, he, had a very, he had a great low in the sense that he lost family members, loved ones, he was ridiculed, he was harassed. All of those things happened. So that year itself was called Amul Huzn, the year of depression and sadness. And it was out of the 23 years of the Prophet's life, that was the most difficult year that took place. So I think a lot of us can resonate with the struggles of the Prophet Wasallam, and then finally moving forward into uh, the Mi'raj the week after. So that will be for the next two weeks, inshallah. Then we have uh, in spring break, we have a guest speaker. And then after that, the last four weeks before Ramadan or three weeks before Ramadan, we will continue on some of these chapters of Salah and the different chapters prepped for Ramadan. And then inshallah, Ramadan will be Ramadan, inshallah. 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ابن عطاء الله begins by saying استشرافك أن يعلم الخلق بخصوصيتك دليل على عدم صدقك في عبوديتك he says the fact that you want people to recognize you the fact that you want people to get to know you and to be mentioned is a sign of your insincerity. The fact that you want people to recognize who you are, this Anna, that it was me that did something, that I did this thing. We want that recognition, right? And sometimes it's something small at home. We want that appreciation from people. We want people to appreciate us. And when someone doesn't, what do we say? Dude, you didn't even say thank you to me. Am I right or wrong? So over here, Ibn Atta'illah says that the general heart seeks for appreciation and gratitude from people. But the elite heart, the one that's connected to Allah, does not seek any appreciation or gratitude from any man or any woman. إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا Allah describes the Sahaba. He says that they would feed one another, they would give charity to one another, and they would say, لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً Dude, I am doing these things for you. I don't want anything in return. Wala shukura. I don't even want you to say thank you to me. Please don't even say thank you. Because this reward that I want is only from Allah. That is why, how do we say thank you in Islam to each other? Jazakallahu khaira. Not jazakallah. Jazakallah is actually wrong. Jazakallah just means, may Allah give you. Khairan am sharran. Good or bad. So jazakallah khairan is the correct way of saying it. Not Jazakallah by itself. Now what does it mean? What does Jazakallah Khairan mean? May Allah give you, may Allah repay you. May Allah take care of you. And that's such a beautiful dua. And the Prophet ﷺ says, that whosoever says this, then they have completed their appreciation to another person. Because you and I can't give someone back something if they did something good for us. But Allah can. So you leave it in his hands. Jazakallahu khairan. May Allah give you good, dude. I can't do anything for you. The second thing. In Surah Mudathir, Allah says, Wala tamnun Allah says, don't go to people and say, look, I did this, I did that for you, I did this, so that they may repay you back. This type of person is called a mannan. And a mannan is also one of the names of Allah. There are three types of people that Allah will not look at on the day of judgment with compassion and forgiveness. And one of them is the one who tells other people, Dude, you remember what I did for you? I did this for you. You didn't do it back for me. I got you a gift for this time. You did not get something back for me. I did this. No, no. If your personality is that if, you know, it happens in friends all the time. Dude, I'm not going to do that for them because they didn't do it for me. I'm not going to be like this with them because when I needed it, they weren't there for me. Allah says, وَلَا تَمْنُنْ Allah says, don't go around trying to do good for other people. Tastakthir, so that istikthar means, so that you may get more. So you may increase. So you may have more. Allah says, don't do that. That's the first thing. Don't look for your reward and appreciation in the hands of other people. Because people cannot appreciate themselves. How can they appreciate someone else? People are hollow inside, and they're empty inside. How can they fill you with anything? People themselves are lost and struggling for happiness. 
how can they bring happiness to you? So change it. Don't look, you know, it happens at home all the time. Mom walks in, room is clean, right? She doesn't see that. Dad doesn't see that. But there's that one thing that's lying on the floor. Oh my God, your room is so dirty. You guys don't do anything. Now you're going to be like, well, what about everything else I did? Does this happen with you guys or not? The boys are like, oh, our rooms are still dirty. <laughs> Probably one hand span. Just the route to the bed is clean. Before you marry any guy, on the spot, when you're FaceTiming him, tell him, put the phone under his bed. And that's how you know what kind of boy he is. If you know his entire weekly meal plan, then you know that this one is a scrub. So again, don't do anything for anyone for recognition. Number three, we live in the era of TikTok. And I don't know most of you guys, you're wearing masks, but TikTok hands out clout like candy. There's like 10 year old kids walking on the street that have like hundreds and thousands of followers. At one time it was a flex, you had this many views, that many views. Now every third person is a TikTok influencer. And then you get wrapped in this clout of looking at the likes and the views. And it happens in Islamic worlds a lot. And we masquerade it by saying that, oh, we're just doing it for Allah's sake, not for us, not for our nafs. That is why in order to balance it, you have to do so many things without anyone seeing it. That is only between you and Allah. If you're going to ever post something, if you're posting one halaqa over here, then there has to be at least 10 other halaqas that we never posted about. Then we know that we might say that, okay, we're doing it for Allah's sake. But if every time we are sitting outside and we're, whenever we're doing something good, there's a camera there, then there's no, insinc- there's no sincerity in it. That is why they say, when you feed the poor, leave the cameras where? At home. And people say, no, but we need to garner donations. We do, okay, everyone's got their own views. But if it happens every moment, every time that charity box comes, my logo needs to be on there. My masjid logo needs to be on there. My relief organization's logo needs to be on there. Where is the logo of Allah? Where is the logo of sincerity? And you know what's beautiful? When you're young, you just do it for the sake of Allah. You don't care whether it's isna, ikna, fitna, what does it matter to you? It doesn't matter what organization it is. You're doing it for Allah's sake. But as you get older, then whichever organization you're with, then it's that label has to be there. Whatever majid I'm with, that majid must be promoted. And that is one of the greatest signs of insincerity. And we see this, it happens all the time. We see this whenever we're going somewhere, we need our logo as well. We need our thing as well. Don't look for recognition. Abu Dhar Ghifari radiallahu anhu. Did I mention his story here before? But Abu Dhar Ghifari? No? I did, you guys just don't remember. Mara Manazir Hassan Gilani rahimahullah writes a whole book on Abu Dhar Ghifari. Most of us don't know him. He's from Rabada. Or he died in Rabada. He was that Sahabi who was that like, you know, ultra, 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 like holy Sahabi. Only have one pair of clothes, eat once a day. Like he was so strict that the Prophet said, Abu Dhar, you will live alone, you will die alone, and you will be raised alone. Because you're too strict for people. You know that, you know when someone becomes too religious, then everything becomes haram. It's like, oh my God, I just breathe in this restaurant and they're cooking pork over there. So did the particles of pork enter my system? Right? And someone's like, 
Mufti Wasim, I entered the bathroom and I did not have shoes on. And then I walked around the whole house and I got into my car and I went to Walmart. So is the whole world najis now? Is my whole house impure now? So people get a little too excited. So Abu Dhar Ghifar was one of those people. He would walk around Medina with a stick. And if anyone had more than they needed, he'd whoop them. But he was also a legendary Sahabi. He also belonged, before he became a Muslim, he was, he was a gangster. Like he was part of a, like uh, those uh, gangs and mobs and those things. So Banu Ghaffar was known as thugs. And the rest of the Arab tribes, there were four months that they didn't fight in. They were called the holy months. Does anyone know them? <coughs> Muharram, good. Rajab, good. The month we're in. Ramadan isn't one of them. The battle of Badr happened in Ramadan. Fatih Makkah happened in Ramadan. Dhul Hijjah, Dhul Qa'dah. Three are together. Dhul Qa'dah, Dhul Hijjah, and Muharram. And one, Rajab. This is the month we're in. Rajab is the month of Allah. Sha'ban is known as the month of Nabi salam, And Ramadan is known as the month of the Ummah. That's why they say, you plant the seeds in Rajab, you water it in Sha'ban, and you harvest in Ramadan. We start now. We, have, we should have started 20 days ago. We're already late. Start your Quran already from tonight. Your dhikr tonight. Your tahajjud tonight. If you start bringing the change in tonight, and you start doing it perpetually for the next 45 days, then you will taste the sweetness of Ramadan on the first day. And you won't have a decline in Ramadan. Ramadan isn't the place where you begin practicing. Ramadan is the place where you begin harvesting and taking the good deeds. That's where you milk it in Ramadan. So Abu Dhar Ghifari anhu, his tribe Banu Ghaffar, they didn't care. The holy months or no holy months, they would kill people for the sport of it. They'd do it for fun. There's a whole long story of how he became a Muslim. He came to, Madi- he came to Mecca. He had no food, no water. And he says, I was thin like a stick. And the only thing we had was Zamzam. The narration is in Sahih Muslim. He said, I drank so much Zamzam that I became fat. Tabaddana. There's a narration in Ibn Majah. Ma'u Zamzam ali ma'shuribalahu. That Zamzam has a power to it. That if you drink it, then whatever dua you make, Allah will accept it. And I have seen this with my own eyes. When I was a five-year-old kid, four-year-old kid, I remember this memory vividly. My mother would take me to uh, Umrah. We grew up in Saudi. I was born in Dallas, but I grew up there. My mother would take us and uh, she'd take us to drink Zamzam. And she'd tell us to make a dua. And my dua would be, Ya Allah, make me a hafiz, an alim, and a mufti. But I was lazy, so I said, in one day. See, I knew these intensives would be coming. These one-day intensives. So Allah accepted two du'as and not the third. So now that I know that if Allah accepted two-thirds of the du'a, that one-third will eventually one day get accepted. Inshallah. Right? That is our hope. Inshallah. And Zamzam has that part, uh, that, that ability to it. And that's why the scholars say, if you have a little bit of Zamzam, and you put it in a large body of water, then it is hopes that the same barakah of that Zamzam is inside it. It doesn't mean that you take a drop of Zamzam and you put it inside the reservoir of Plano. And the entire Plano becomes like some blessed land. Their analogy comes from the idea that if you had a drop of urine and you put it inside a bucket, that whole bucket would be impure. So if impurity can make a whole bucket impure, then the same thing should happen with Zamzam, out of a blessed concept. That's where they draw the analogy from, by the way, for those who are interested in the analogy. So anyway, so he says, Tabad, then I became fat. And the story is famous. He goes to Rasulullah accepts Islam, goes in front of Meccans and he uh, uh, announces it. They whoop him. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu comes and says, don't beat him. This man is part of Banu Ghaffar. Do you know who he is? 
His people, if he dies, they will cut off the roots of trade between us and Syria. They will essentially just block us off. So anyway, as he gets older, he's the same Sahabi who told Bilal radiallahu anhu. This is a gangster, bro. This is not like, the, like you know, these plain old kids. This is like a soup, like an actual person, right? What is this, fourth safest city in, <laughs> in the city? Like you do that with the flex? <laughs> these are only display only for all of our kids. So, uh, he went to one of his slaves and he called him literally the N-word. Right? In our, in the Arabic language, right? In, okay, he said, Yabna Sauda. In our language, the N-word. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam hears it. Ya Aba Dhar, innaka imri'un fikal jahiliya. Abu Dhar, you're a man that has ignorance inside you. And I know people say it and it's that, it's a joke and all that. May Allah forgive us all. Because the Prophet Sallallahu said, jahiliya is inside you if you say it. The whole of ignorance is inside you. If you classify or, or demonize someone based on their skin color. At the moment this Abu Dhar hears this, what does he do? Falls to the ground, tells his slave, put your foot on my neck. Humiliate me. These people, they checked their nafs immediately. The moment their nafs went up, they brought it down immediately. Because they knew that even an Adam's weight of ego will not make you enter paradise. And ego is the very seed and the sin, the ana, the me, that leads you to all sins. When you think about me, think about it. Every sin goes back to ego. Every single sin. Okay? My desires, my sexual desires, right? The slips that I make there, why does it come? Because I'm trying to satisfy me. It's me. Greed. Me first. Animosity. Me. Jealousy. Me. Missing salah. I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. My time. Every single sin goes back to ego. And that is why Allah despises it the most. And that is why it's a whole life journey to eradicate that ego and to break that ego. So Abu Dhar Ghifar now he's in Medina. He's too strict. The Prophet says, you Abu Dhar, you're going to live alone. You're going to die alone and Allah will raise you alone. So in the time of Umar anhu, Abu, Bak, uh, Abu Dhar is walking around with a stick whooping people in Medina. Now no one can say something to him because he's a legendary Sahabi. So Umar anhu says, Abu Dhar, we're going to ship you off to Rababa. Nobody lives there. And you're not going to get bothered by anybody. And he knew that the Prophet said it, so he knew it was going to happen. So he lived there. And the Prophet also told him that I know you're going to be alone there, but a group of Muslims will come and pray janazah on you. So when it was his deathbed, these people believed in the Prophet's words. Even when they were alone. We don't believe in the words even when we're in a group. If we did, we would never miss a sunnah. If we did, we would never miss a sunnah. The thing is, we don't really believe that there's actually a jannah and all of these things. We try to believe it, and we try to do these things, but that certainty is not in our hearts. Because if it was, we'd never miss a salah. The way we don't miss our work, the way we don't come late to work or miss our homeworks, because we know that we get a paycheck. We have certainty that at the end of those 30 days, we're going to get a paycheck. Or the end of the semester, we're going to get a grade. We have yaqeen in it. That's why we don't miss it. But we don't have yaqeen in the hereafter. And that's why we miss what we miss. Anyway, so Abu Dhar Ghifadi is on his deathbed. He tells his wife, prepare some food. She says, brah, where is only you and I? It's about to be only I. For who? He said, a group's going to come. He says, okay. He passes away. 
I believe it was Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. They came with a group and they said, Our brother Abu Dhar is there. Let's go visit him. And when they arrived, food was already visit, waiting for you. Your risk is written wherever you are. They didn't know. They got there. Their risk was already waiting for them. We are running after the dunya to fill our stomach. But Allah has already ordained what you will eat, where you will eat, when you will eat it. And look in your own lives. See, I don't know uh, how it's with you guys. But I remember in my days as a student, we, we studied on hungry stomachs, man. We studied on hungry stomachs. The brick that faced the interior of our building was the very brick that faced the exterior. Our buildings were only one-sided bricks. That's it. When we did wudu, our, and at Fajr time, literally our hands would be frozen. The water was cold as anything, and the water area was in the outside. South African winters, it's insane. The, the, the cold gets right into your bones. And the heat, I remember I used to have, you ever seen those gym fans? I used to have a gym fan in my room. You could hear the fan outside the boarding, 50 steps away from the boarding. That's how big that fan was. And I also remember nights, Wallahi, this is my own life, forget about anyone else's. I remember nights where it was so cold, I'm wearing two, three jackets, blankets above me, and I have an iron on, because I'm trying to get heat from an iron. Wallahi, I remember that night, as if it was yesterday. So Abu Dhar Ghifari radiallahu anhu. Oh yeah, so I remember, you know, we never had a lot of food to eat. The madrasa food wasn't that great and all of that, you know. But in the middle of the night, 11, 12 o'clock, wallahi from Allah knows where, someone would bring an AK-47. AK-47 was like a, uh, a sandwich name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My first week in South Africa, they had this whole like competition race. I was really new there. I didn't know nothing about the school. And the guy was like, as a joke, he was like, uh, AK-47 is like this really well-known sub. It's like huge. Four people can eat it. Um, Ecklewire, that's the restaurant's name. They have a Molana burger, Mufti burger. They have a garbage pizza. They have all of these weird names to it, right? And I remember I was there, and one of the guys, Matiani, he announced. He said, ah, after, the, after the game, AK-47 for everybody in the gym. And I was like, whoa. I was like, where did I end up? And then I realized, obviously. And people would just bring it in the middle of the night. The one who gave it, Allah knows, he didn't know who was going to eat from it. And how we got there. But it was written for us. So anyway. They came. They did dua. And this was Abu Dhar's legacy. Why am I talking about Abu Dhar, right? I wanted to give you a little idea of how special he was. Now, let me take it to the next level. He is so special that one time the Prophet is sitting. And he's talking. And Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu is in front of him. And most of us don't even know Abu Dhar. We don't even have a friend named Abu Dhar. We don't think when we want to name our children, we don't name them Abu Dhar's. We name those names that are a little halal and a little haram. The halal-haram ratio is a little 50-50. Right? We want those names that can be like, pass off like, you know, Harris Patel can be Harry Potter. Right? <laughs> and all those, Kaleem Chaudhary can be Clam Chowder. Right? All of those. Khalid can be Kool-Aid. So, the Prophet Wasallam is sitting, Abu Dhar is in front of him, and Jibreel salam comes. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, Inna Allah yusallimu ala Abi Dharrin. Allah is sending his salams to Abu Dhar. You're not getting a salamu alaykum from like your crush. 
or for some celebrity, you're getting it from Allah Himself to this man. And the Prophet Sarsam shocked. And he says, Ahuwa ya'rifuhu. Does Allah really recognize Abu Dhar in such a unique and particular manner? And the next phrase is worth being written in gold. He says, Huwa ashar fis sama minad dunya. Abu Dhar is more popular in the heavens than he's on earth. We look to be popular amongst people around us. Jab jite to taliyan, jab hare to galiyan. When things go well, people are there. And the moment we slip, people abandon us. You see it with your own friends. Ali radiallahu anhu says, the poem is in Tirmidhi volume 2. He says, love someone, but love them moderately. One day they might become your enemy. And hate someone. And, but hate them moderately. One day, they may have a glow up and you might have a crush on them. Always? He was very chubby in his youth. This is the reality of life. So stop looking for recognition and appreciation for people around you. And turn your heart towards Allah. Sorry, I went on a whole tangent and I barely started. But we'll go over some of these last two points a little quicker, inshallah. He says, He says, Make the sight of people blinded towards you. Blind yourself from the views of people and make yourself cognizant to the view of Allah. Make mankind looking at you disappear by being content with God looking at you. Why do I need any guy or girl to look at me when my Allah is looking at me? Why do I need to? Why am I so heartbroken? When I don't get attention from someone else, when my Allah five times a day says, come talk to me, I'm here for you. Who cares if I'm left on red or no one responds to my DM when my Allah five times a day is saying, out of the whole creation, I want to talk to you. What does it matter? He says, He says, forget trying to go in front of them, but stand before him. Stop trying to get everyone else's attention and get his attention once. You've spent a lifetime trying to make other people happy. Have we made them happy? We've, made, we've spent a lifetime trying to impress other people. Have we impressed them? But for one moment, turn to Allah and impress Allah. Just once. I just ask you one time to do tawbah and turn yourself and turn your life around. That's it. Just one time try it, man. You know, they say, my, my Ustad Mali Choks used to say, there's ladda. You know what ladda is? What's ladda? Yeah, sweetness, taste. Ladda means taste. Are you seeing something? You know that, that uh, nasty drink, ladiza? Right? Same word, ladiza. The green apple flavor is disgusting. He says there's ladda. There's enjoyment in eating food. But there is more ladda and enjoyment in fasting. But try it once. There is ladda and enjoyment in earning money. You know you earn your $10. After that one hour, most of you work, right? When you make that $10, does it still excite you as much as it once used to? Does it or no? Does it? 
You look at that 10 as you're like, oh, it's only 10. I wish I had 12, 13. You get that check, the first few weeks it was fun. After that, he's just like, it's a check. Am I right or wrong? He says, earning money has an enjoyment to it, but wallahi, giving and spending on someone else gives you far more enjoyment. And try it out. You take that very $10 and you give it to someone in charity. Or you feed a hungry stomach, go buy food and give it to someone on the street. You will constantly think about it and it will give you happiness. It will constantly give you happiness. Versus the $10 you earned, do you still think about it? Oh my God, I made $10 from 9 to 10 a.m. Oh my God, it was so exciting. So giddy. No, you forget about it. But if you, give, if you spend that very $10, that happiness lasts. What does it tell you? In earning money, there is happiness. Wallahi, in giving it, there is more happiness. There is ladda in sleeping. And most of you, mashallah, sleep like the people of the cave. Non-stop. Only the trumpet of the hereafter will wake you up. There is enjoyment in sleeping. But wallahi, there is more enjoyment in staying up and praying tahajjud. You don't remember. You don't go back by being like, oh my God, that eight hour sleep I had was so amazing. You forget about it. The next day you forget about it. But that one tahajjud you prayed for a lifetime, you remember, man, I prayed tahajjud. Man, I prayed tahajjud. Am I right or wrong? There is more enjoyment in letting go of this dunya. Because this dunya was not made for enjoyment. And that's why the more you try to chase it, the more hurt you get. It wasn't meant. It has a purpose. It has a purpose. And its purpose wasn't meant for you. You are children of the hereafter. Hum abna'ul akhra. The Sahaba, they were children of the hereafter. Nahnu abna'il dunya. We're children of the dunya. But just one time, try it out. Try to pray to the Hajjah tonight. Inshallah, we all will do that? Inshallah. This Thursday, try to fast. Inshallah, we will do that? Israel family, we're going to remind everybody? Try it one time. And then we're going to give charity. At least $10 this week. Go feed a hungry stomach. But not like give charity somewhere. Buy something and go find a hungry stomach. Go look around, drive around downtown or in your area or your community. Look and give it with your own hands. Give it with your own hands. And then he continues and he says, The way Allah doesn't like partners in his actions. You know, if I'm doing praying, right? And I say, I'm praying for Allah and I'm also praying for Bhagwan. Would Allah accept it? If I'm praying for Allah, I'm also praying for Shaitan. Would Allah accept it? Just the way Allah doesn't like his, the word, his actions to be distributed between two people, Allah doesn't like the heart of his believers distributed amongst two people. That's why What does it mean? Only you do I worship. Right? If he tells you, there's a difference between I only love you and I also love you. Am I right or wrong? With Allah, it's I also love you. Is it really I only love you? We read it 17 times a day, but feel it when you say it. Iyaka na'bud. Ya Allah, I only love you. Only you. 
But we are in the state of, I also love you. Kabi shaitan, kabi rahman. Sometimes you make shaitan happy, sometimes you make Allah happy. Because we don't want shaitan to stop coming, right? We've got to keep that friendship continuing a little bit. Shaitan will stop coming and seeing us. So we got to do a little halal haram ratio. That's the new word. So when I asked, what's your halal haram ratio? I said, I'm halal, you're haram. That's the halal haram ratio. Then he says, Ma ahbabta shay'an. This man is like on a different level. I wish you could understand Arabic. I really wish you could understand Arabic. I'm translating this to you. It's like watching a Bollywood movie with like subtitles. <laughs> you cannot capture Amita Bachchan's face. Like you cannot. You know? Kabi khushi, kabi gham. You can't translate it as like, sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're sad. You're like, oh, what? Right? Or what is that? Bay wafa, bay wafa, bay wafa, nikli. Right? You can't go around and be like, disloyal, disloyal, disloyal you are. It doesn't hit the same. Am I right or wrong? We are bewafa to Allah. We really are bewafa to Allah. We are disloyal to Him, but we accept, expect loyalty from Him. We are disloyal to Him, but we expect disloyalty. Will we give Him disloyalty? Anyway, he says, "Ma ahbabta shay'in illa kunta lahu abdan." There is nothing you can love in your life, but you become a slave to it. Whether it's your cell phone, it's your job, it's someone you love, we become slaves to what we love. And Allah is not pleased for you to be a slave for anyone else but Him. Whether it's our car, whether it's our money, whether it's our collections, we become slaves to them. Look at our phones. The moment our phone calls, if we're around, we will answer that phone. Text message comes in the group chat from our friends. We answer it. Do we answer Allah's adhan the same way? And then we, we wonder, why is my life the way it is? Because we leave Allah unread and delivered. We leave Allah, and then we wonder, why is Allah not answering our words? We've been ignoring Allah the whole time. So Allah says, I don't want, any, I don't want you to be a slave for anyone but me. But when you love other entities, then you become like it. That is why the dunya... It's supposed to be in our hands, not in our hearts. There's nothing wrong with having the dunya, but hold it in your hand, not in here. The final two statements, and we'll open up for Q&A. He says, لَيْسَ الْمُحِبُّ الَّذِي يَرْجُو مِنْ مَحْبُوبِهِ عِوَضًا أَوْ يَطْلُبُ مِنْهُ غَرَضًا He says, if you love someone, like if you really love someone, right? Do you do something for something in return? Or you do it just for their happiness? Did you just want to see their smile? Y'all are in that perfect age where you're either in the fantasy of love or you've been heartbroken. So you understand. And I, we give this example to make you understand that this heart, put it in anyone else's hands and they'll break it. They don't know how to hold it. And if you give your heart to Allah, you can go through divorces and still be happy. If you give your heart to Allah, even divorce will not break you. And if you don't give your heart to Allah, then a small little thing will trigger you. So he says, that when, the belo- when you love someone, you don't look for a return. You do things out of love, just for the smile. Just for, their, just for them to be happy. That's all the reason you do something. Right? Whether it's your friend, 
your family, someone you love. You don't go do something for your you know, parent or your loved one and say, oh, I want something in return. If you do, then you don't really re- love them, right? You still love yourself. If you're always looking for a return for whatever you do. Then he says, why is it that after you worship Allah, you immediately look for a return? The reality is, had there been no Jannah, how many of us would worship Allah? Just for His sake, just for His happiness. And that's the elite level, right? Forget Jannah, forget everything. We ask, this is a question, do I have to pray Salah in Jannah? Do I have to read Quran in Jannah? That means we're just doing it for our own need. But Allah loves us so much, He says, you know what? You're doing it for that reason, I'll still give it to you. Allah's like, I know you're needy like that. I'll still give it to you. And then he says, How can you ask Allah for a return when the de- good deed you did, with the sajda you did with your forehead is with the forehead that He gave you. And the charity you gave is from the money He gave you. And the kindness words you said is with the tongue He gave you. And the, and the masjid you went to is with the feet He gave you. All the goodness you did is from everything He gave you and you're still asking Allah for a return. And when you don't get it immediately, you trip out, you bug out. He says, become sincere. And that is the purpose of the first section, sincerity. I want to do a few reflections on the last week, right? Because these last two years have been nuts, man. I've lived in Chicago. Anyone from Chicago here? You're from Chicago? Where in Chicago? Um, Northwest of Indiana, near Chicago. Okay. Anyone else from the sisters? Anyone from Chicago? Yes, Najia, you're from Chicago, right? Where are you from in Chicago? Elmhurst. Where? Elmhurst. 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 Ah, that's uh, Addison area? It's been a long time. I don't know how to where were you from in Chicago? Morton Grove. Morton Grove. Morton Grove. I lived in Aljin. There's a town called Aljin there. Aljin. What the I've, dude, I've seen like six feet of snow. Lived in Buffalo, I lived in New Jersey. Six, seven feet of snow is nothing. New Yorkers, any New Yorkers here? Snow, dude, what is this snow? You saw, there was like two inches. And the whole Texas was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like as if they never saw snow before in their life, which is probably true. They're like, this is a storm. And I'm like, where? Well, my boys know we were cruising in the snow. I'm an excellent driver in the snow. Plus, I don't have brakes in my car. I don't have anything else in my car. What did Allah teach us? He gave us a disease that made us value the air we breathe. Literally, take your mask off one time to smell. It's funny, but that's you. That's the stench in the dunya. Imagine the stench in the hereafter of what you lie and backbite. This one, this air that used to be free, now Allah has classed it, taken even that away. Tell me which nation did Allah take air away from? Allah said, go home. Stay in your homes. We had homes like palaces, man. Kings of the past did not have homes like we did. People of the past, the children of the past, they probably sat down and said, imagine there's a superhero and he can make something cold and something hot and he can bring light. These were miracles in the past. 
which is on our fingertips. We can sit in the car and summon the cold and we can summon the heat and we can turn the light on in the darkness and we can remove the light. We can change the color of the light. Allah gave us in our nation what is normal, what was miracles of the past. And what did we do? You know, being able to communicate with someone that is far away was a miracle. Umar was sitting in Medina and Sariya was had an army and they were traveling and there was another army coming behind the mountain and Umar says, Ya Sariya al-Jabal Sariya, there's a mountain behind you behind the mountain there's an army coming and he immediately turned around and he defeated that army that was a miracle today that's our daily thing the miracles of the past became our normal currency of today but what did we do when we sat home? oh my god, this sucks I hate being home I'm, 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 I'm struggling Allah said, oh yeah? Let me take your heat away. Let me take your water away. Let me take your comfort away. Three days and three nights. Allah told the people of Sayyidah, stay in your home for three days. That's all. Your punishment will come after three days. We were three days... Our storm was basically about three days. And then we realized the blessing. We ran behind getting wood to make heat for ourselves. And the strongest nation and the energy capital of the world had no energy. Allah says, I give to whom I will, I take from whom I will, I raise who I will, and I belittle who I will, I grant who I will, and I take away from whom I will. Did He not bring us to our knees? You had cars, but you couldn't drive for a little bit of snow. The armies of your Lord, no one knows but Allah. When are we going to reflect and think how weak we are? And how this dunya is so weak. You had the cars, you couldn't do it. You had the money, you couldn't do it. You couldn't go down the street. You, in two days, three days, the whole city was cut. No oil, no water, no milk. You went into the grocery stores. Man, this was three days. And Allah shows you, I can take it all the way in a heartbeat. I can give it to you all. And He just gave it back to us because He doesn't care. He gave it back. And for three days, it was like, oh my God, our lives are so struggling and we're difficult. Bruh, this was everyone's life for the last thousands of years. This was how people lived. They didn't have insulated homes like us. Their heat was just a firewood. This was the Sahaba. And they stood with the Prophet in these environments. They stood without water. They stood without food. They stood without heat. And they still said, Ashadu Allah, ilaha illallah. And we know how much we were missing our prayers and missing our things when all of these things were happening with us. Anyway, I went off well beyond what I wanted to. My final moment is, and I like to do this at the end of every class, is that we all do tawbah. You know what tawbah means, right? We turn to Allah and we repent. We might slip again, but at least for this moment, make ourselves believe that we will not commit a sin any longer. At least try. For this moment, make the intention. That, Ya Allah, I've given up all my past sins. I've given up my music. 
I've given up the haram relationships. I've given up the pornography. I've given up all of this, the smoking, the drugs, everything. At least for one second, make an intention. At least try. And the rest, leave it to Allah. He will help you with it, inshallah. And if not this week, inshallah, next week. But you don't know if you have next week. So at least right now, make the intention one time. We all will do this, inshallah. We all do tawbah to Allah. Ya Allah, forgive our major and minor sins. Ya Allah, forgive those sins we did knowingly and unknowingly. Ya Allah, forgive the sins that we did with your own blessings, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we lived a life far away from you. Ya Allah, we keep on running away from you, but it is your grace that you drag us back to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you bring us into environments where your name is mentioned. Ya Allah, if you brought us this close, that means you love us, Ya Allah. Keep us always close to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, never let us go. Ya Allah, don't ever let us go, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban, wa balighna Ramadan. Oh Allah, bless us in the month of Rajab and Sha'ban, and allow us to attain Ramadan. May this Ramadan bless it, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we used to argue about praying 8 and 20 rakats. Ya Allah, today we just want to pray 2 rakats. Ya Allah. Ya Allah, don't deprive us of your home. Ya Allah, no nation before you was barred from your home, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, allow us to be close to you and allow us to be yours and become ours, Ya Allah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Assalamu ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhim. If any questions you guys can ask, inshallah. Any questions you guys can ask, inshallah. You should just keep that beforehand over here. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, you can ask. Okay. Um, so when you were talking about like, how you should only love Allah, I'm kind of confused because I'm like, well, you love your parents and you love your family and stuff, so how do you kind of like <coughs> differentiate or maintain So the question is, is that we are told to love Allah. And what about loving your parents and your spouse and other things as well? Those are all secondary loves. So what does it mean by that? That means that I love my mom and dad, but sometimes I have problems. And I want to argue where I feel hurt by them. But because I love Allah, I love them as well. Whether it's a spouse or anything. I love them because Allah has put the barakah and blessing in there for it. And number two means that, what does it mean by loving for Allah? Now you, you like a guy or you like a girl. I'll give you an example, right? Something more practical in our time. You say you love them. And you say you want to be with them. But if you love them for Allah's sake and you really wanted to be with them, you would not touch them or kiss them or do something haram that would get them and punish them in the hereafter. So love for Allah supersedes it all. That means you love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost, and then under the love of Allah, you love everybody else. That no friend can make you do haram is because you love Allah more than them. You love them. Doesn't mean you can't love anything else. You can't love other things. But the love of Allah should reign supreme above it all. Does that make sense? Anyone else? No questions? This side is... Do you guys have a lot? Go ahead, Rida. I was going to ask, um, I know you 
How do you do it? Yeah. It means that if you, you can let it go. So I'll give you an example. I have my phone. I love my phone. But when the time of Salah comes, can I let it go? And can I pray Salah? If I can, that means the dunya is in my hand and not in my heart. The clothes that I have, if I know that it is haram, or that I used it and now it's just sitting around, I don't wear it, let it go. Uh, you know people who do collections of things for no reason. This is a kind of israf. That you go and you put so much money on something, for what? Your heart is attached to it. You can feed some hungry person, you can help someone else, you can get an experience out of it, but your heart is attached and you're just keeping it there just to look at it. This is my collection. A lot of people have their hobbies and these things, not haram, but again, it is not what the elite do. So that's what it means, your money. Don't run after that, I need to get money no matter how haram, doesn't matter to me. I need to get the money. That means that the love of dunya is more than the love of Allah, if I'm willing to earn it the haram way. Are you following? Anyone else? What happened? The winter storm took your questions away? How do we join the Isra group chat? The Isra group chat. Uh, okay, let me cut this off and I'll do it, inshallah. Walid, are you like double joined? You're joined here and there? Oh, I joined on accident. I'm going to